Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this email Friday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this March the 24th in the year of our Lord, 2023. The first email we want to take a look at indicates that over half of Christians say they sometimes experience doubts about their religious beliefs. That's according to a new study from the prominent evangelical research organization, the Barna Group, B-A-R-N-A. We've used them a number of times as they do surveys, take polls, and find out about these things. This particular survey is based on 2005 U.S. adults and teenagers conducted December 13th to December the 22nd, 2022. Over half of teens and adults report that they've experienced doubts about their religious beliefs. Sometimes 12% frequently, 16% occasionally, 24% sometimes, an overview of the study says. Now, 40% for all Christians and 34% for non-practicing Christians. Over a quarter of non-practicing Christians listed the reasons why they doubt Christianity. The hypocrisy of religious people. Now, I'm not really sure what that means. What does it mean, the hypocrisy of religious people? The only thing I can figure out is many congregations, and we're talking outside of the Lutheran faith, really give the impression that you ought not be sinning. And therefore, when others see Christians sinning, they presume that that's an act of hypocrisy because a Christian says that in God's eyes, he is not a sinner. That is a misunderstanding of justification by grace through faith. God justifies sinners. In fact, I've said this a number of times, nobody is going to heaven unless they are a sinner because only sinners go to heaven who have been forgiven. So the hypocrisy of religious people, and I can understand that, with so many churches not having the proper Christian message. For example, leave KFUO for a bit and go to any other religious station and listen to the sermons. And you will rarely hear salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, they'll talk about the cross. They'll talk about salvation. But like we said yesterday with Pastor Reimnitz, we have a pastor who says, no, you're not saved by works, you're saved by faith. And that's something you have to decide to do, which is false teaching. Faith is not a decision on your part. Faith is given by the Holy Spirit. So 
the top reason among practicing Christians for why they have doubts about Christian beliefs is human suffering. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday with Pastor Reinitz. A person was writing an article that we can't always say that the suffering we're enduring is according to the will of God. She just felt that that was inappropriate to say that God was the source of suffering. But then I asked, well, if it isn't God's will that we are suffering, whose will is it? In other words, you either have the will of God or the will of Satan. Adam and Eve, they endured suffering because they listened to Satan. And when they endured that suffering, boy, they died in not wanting to be around God. So human suffering is the top reason among practicing Christians why they have doubts. About 22% of non-practicing Christians say that conflict in the world is a reason they have doubts about Christian beliefs. Now, I, I don't understand that. Was there any conflict in the world when Jesus was here during those 30-plus years when he was enfleshed? Now, he still is enfleshed, but before he had ascended back into heaven, there was plenty of conflict. And he didn't deny or doubt the faith. Now, the Barna study found that pastors appeared to be attuned to the realities of why people experience doubts about Christian beliefs. So they think that hypocrisy of religious people, 83%, that's those who have doubts, that's the reason they say. Now, in 2017, Barna released a study that found about 65% of U.S. Christians admitted to having doubts about their beliefs, with 40% saying that they had doubts but worked through it, while 26% said they still experience it. Now, that's really important because doubts can lead to unbelief. And in the 2017 study, they found that 12% of respondents said they lost their faith after their period of questioning. Now, these respondents, the survey didn't do just Christians. That survey dealt with Muslims and Jews, etc. And look how many Jews say they lost their faith due to the Holocaust and what happened to Jews in Nazi Germany. So this article gives the impression that Christianity is losing its impact because more and more people are doubting the faith. But do we as Christians 
not even sing hymns about our doubts? One of the most popular hymns that has been ever sung is the one that Billy Graham used many a time. Just as I am without one plea. Now, it's six verses long. I, I, I want to repeat verse three to you. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That is a tremendous verse showing that, yes, we have Christians have doubts, we as Christians, simply because of the world in which we live in, the temptations of Satan, the conflict in the world, that there are Christians who seem not to be very Christian because of the many, 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 many false pastors who do not know the distinction between law and gospel. I mean, I, I would doubt Christianity if I was a member of some of those congregations where the pastor is expressing the idea that you are saved because of your works. Well, I would doubt that because I'm a sinner. I, I even say in the liturgy, I deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Now, just as I am continues, just as I am poor, wretched, and blind. Now, we've talked about that. It's part of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We are so poor in our good works, we cannot offset our sins. Good works do not trump sin. What gets rid of sin is the death of Christ on the cross. As John the baptizer said, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. But if we're still sinners, how have they been taken away? Well, he took them to the cross. My God, my God, why have you left me alone on this cross? Oh, because you are suffering for the sins of the whole world. Verse 4 says, we're poor, we're wretched, we're blind. That reminds us of John chapter 9, where the Pharisees are really angry with Jesus because he healed a blind man who has been blind since birth. And why they are angry is because he did it on a Sabbath day, when even physicians are not to do healing. And so the man born blind not only sees, but he also is spiritually awakened, and his blind eyes are opened to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But then the Pharisee says, do you think we're blind also? And Jesus says something very interesting. Because you say we see, it shows that you're still blind. Because you're seeing that you think that by your works, 
you are saved. Remember the Pharisee? Thank God I'm not like that tax collector because I give tithes. I fast. He was mentioning the ceremonial laws that nobody is saved by and forgot about the Sermon on the Mount where people commit murder, adultery, and steal, not just by deed, but also by thought and word. So that fourth verse, yes, I am poor, wretched, and blind. Sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need to thee, guess what? To find, O Lamb of God, I come. And the hymn tells, tells us how our doubts are taken away. Verse 5, just as I am, thou wilt receive. You will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because what? I'm doing good works? No, because I promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You see, the reason you come is because you are carried by Christ to your heavenly home. That, that's what the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15 is all about. He picks up the sheep, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it home. The sheep is coming, returning to the fold. That's what Jesus does for you. So you gotta be careful. When, when you read these surveys, namely that, boy, there's a lot of Christians who doubt. Now, I personally have not doubted anything in the Bible. I have been mistaken about some things. Then I went to the seminary and heard the Bible correct those mistakes. So it, it's not that I have been pure in doctrine all the time. No, I had questions. I had ideas that were wrong. But at the seminary and after decades in the ministry, I, I, I don't have doubts. I may wonder about why God does something, if that's called a doubt. But frankly, it hasn't taken away my faith in Holy Scripture and the promises of God. So you gotta be a little careful. You may have doubts, that's natural. And Billy Graham's hymn, Just As I Am Without One Plea, is a great example of how we sing about our doubts. Uh, another area, and this is a different email, it talks about secularization. And what that means is the following. Secularization is the process, according to the email, whereby religions are weakened or they fade away in society. Uh, Peter Berger, a sociologist, defined it as the process 
that removes institutionalized religion's domination over a culture and a situation where more and more people make sense of their lives without traditional religious interpretations. Now, I, I really agree that that is happening. And that's due to the horrible false teaching of evolution. See, evolution doesn't provide any morality at all. I, I really have fun watching a lot of things that are on the computer with various stations. And recently I have been watching what they are finding in the depths of the ocean. It is amazing. They'll, they'll go to a certain island. One was near Portugal, another was near Scotland. And the divers go down and they see many, many fish, many, many creatures underneath the water. In fact, they were talking about one fish that there are over a hundred species of that same fish. Now, I look at those and, and there's no connection between some of the fish. They eat differently. They mate differently. This is obviously not something that happened over millions of years. These fish, these creatures were created instantaneously in that six days of 24-hour creation. But in the area of morality, fish are there to survive. And how do they survive? They eat other things that are also alive. There's no thought of murder on the part of fish. And that's why when people murder, they don't think it's a sin. Because in the evolutionary way of thinking, you're just protecting yourself. You're protecting maybe your life or your reputation. And, and therefore, not only will you kill someone else, but in our day and age, many people are killing themselves by and with government approval, uh, allowing physicians to show people how to commit suicide. So secularization is being accused that many people who identify as religious is also at a low. In 1960, the survey was only one in 50 people said they had no religious affiliation. Today, it's one in five adults. Now, that doesn't surprise me at all. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and other good Lutheran churches that preach the gospel properly, well, you can add them up probably less than 3 million people. If you're not Lutheran, there are many things 
in your denomination that are not according to the Bible. In some denominations, it's a percentage of maybe 20% where they deny infant baptism or don't believe that the sacrament of the altar receives the body and blood of Christ. In, in other religions, it's only just a little bit where they disagree with the Bible. Like for example, not believing in creation, but evolution, etc. So secularization is something that people point to saying, you see, the view of Christianity and other religions is failing among families and individual. Fewer people believe in supernatural claims. Fewer attend worship services or follow religious teachings. In fact, more and more Americans are getting married in secular settings like just before a judge. And record low numbers are wanting to have religious funerals. No, they're willing to have anybody do their funeral and remember them for their many good works. So we gotta be careful here. In the decades after those who believed were going secular, many sociologists began to voice skepticism about secularization's inevitability. They observed developments like the rise of Pentecostalism throughout much of Latin America and the momentum of the religious right in the United States. So debate took off about the extent of secularization and even whether it was happening at all. In fact, critics pointed out that those who believed in secularization tended to focus on wealthy Western countries with Christian heritages and said their theories did not always translate well to other settings and other lands. In fact, in the 1980s, Rodney Stark was so sure that secularization theory was a sham, he said that religion was as strong as ever. And he wrote the very idea of secularization ought to be carried off to the graveyard of failed theories. Secularization cannot occur, Stark argued, because religion addresses certain human needs and fears that are fundamental, universal, and unchanging. If a religion appears anemic, it is only because the churches aren't marketing themselves well enough. They're not improving their outreach. They're not giving proper messaging. They're not being branded properly. And I, I really agree with that. For example, there are some religions that just have a reputation. If you ask most people, 
how do Roman Catholics think that they are saved? Many people will say they believe they're saved by their works because they've got purgatory, they got the Virgin Mary to pray to, uh, they have indulgences they have to do. But in proper Roman Catholic theology, you just look at their catechism, they believe strongly that your sins have been forgiven when Christ died on the cross. So you got to be careful about some religions that outwardly seem not to be teaching the word of God when in reality they often are, but they're not messaging it properly. They're not speaking of it properly. For example, the first thing I look at when I hear sermons, are, are they dividing law and gospel properly? And I, I challenge you, go to another station that has sermons and try and find somebody who is saying, you do not get to heaven by your works. There's no work you can do to get you to heaven. And works and bad works are not send, do not send you to hell. Try and find that message somewhere. No, you go to heaven because of the faith that Christ has given you to believe his promises. You go to hell because of unbelief. You reject the promises of God. And I'm finding that in the group of nuns that we often talk about, N-O-N-E-S, people who say, well, I'm not affiliated with any religion, many of them still believe in God. In fact, many of them still pray to God every day. Now, their God may not be the God of the Bible, and therefore they're committing idolatry. But remember, the questions religion answers. What's going to happen to me after I die? Why? Is God permitting suffering, etc.? A lot of that comes from false religions. So let's be careful. Let's make sure that we don't use our doubts as a way of saying Christianity is wrong or seeing secularization in the country as a way of saying that the Christian faith is dead. No. That is not true. More on this on Monday. God bless Listen you. Listen Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.